This episode of Shaking Spears was sponsored in part by the UJ Student Marketing Department. The University of Johannesburg. The future reimagined. Uh, but Kara, let's focus on yeah. you. Um, we've chatted about this a bit before uh, in one of our previous recordings. Um, Desdemona and the blaming of herself. Um, do you find that that's apparent in this scene? Um, uh, her, uh, her blaming herself. Uh, and if you could just speak very quickly to what societal pressures she may be uh, suffering under in terms of the constraints in the context of the play and a, a Venetian slash Italian society, Cyprus being uh, either an allied state or a client state, etc. And so following those social rules and uh, morals. So, um, yeah, let's, let, let's start. Let's, let, that's a two-parter. But let's start with, um, do you think she blames herself? Let's go from there. In the scene alone, No. Um, by the time Emilia comes, yes, those thoughts have kind of, she doesn't know. No, actually, I'm lying. In the scene, she does, because she turns to Iago, which is also a big thing about women at that time. She can't do anything about it, about the way that Othello is to her now, right. besides ask him. You know, in society, if she stood up and said, this has happened and I don't know what's wrong, you know. Um, there, there were no battered big, women's shelters in Cyprus 400 yeah, years ago. Yeah, and there's a big chance she wouldn't be believed yeah. by. So I think her asking Iago, um, that's the only way she could get further in finding out what has upset Othello so severely. Um, but I do think she's blaming herself out of shock then because it takes her so off guard. Like she's smacked and shouted at and physically abused to the point that she's never seen that in Othello first. So she thinks because it's being taken out on her that it must be somewhere her fault. Right. But she's not putting it forward. I think in that whole scene, she's so shocked. She's, she can only kind of come to term with thing, terms with things when Amelia arrives because that's to her as a safety. Can, can I just get a this timeline check here? Is this the first time, certainly in our version of the play, we um, we don't shy back from showing the graphic nature uh, of the violence of Othello against Desdemona? In other productions, they may leave it as only verbal and shouting, but uh, I think that Claire very wisely has decided that these things are probably accompanied by something more, whether it's a push to the ground or a slap or whatever it may be. Uh, so trigger warning i'll put that in at the start of the podcast as well um, yes. however um is this in terms of the timeline that's what i want to check is this the first time that he is verbally and physically violent with her or is there a scene before i'm I, i'm just trying to reconcile in my head because, okay yeah, ha, ha, all has, right has lodovico the... arrived from cyprus yes. Yes, the previous scene is is um, is that scene, right? Um, which is which is and, the first time, and Lodovico yeah. himself comments on it uh, first yeah. to Othello directly after it happening, and then afterwards to <coughs> Iago saying, "Is yeah. this the same Othello? Is yeah. light of yeah. rain, etc., etc." Yeah. Okay. So um, straight after Othello summons and tells Amelia to summons Desdemona, and that's the scene that we find ourselves in. He's been shouting at her, and as Kara said, throw throw her to the ground. 
Um, she's almost catatonic, I think. I mean, she's just, she cannot wrap her head around it. But there's very definite evidence in her works that she does blame herself. She, she thinks that it must be something that she has done. Yeah. Yeah. Coming back to that catatonic statement, I mean, there's even that wonderful, I don't want to call it a soliloquy, uh, it's an hiatus um, between Amelia having been called, here's money for thy pains, etc., etc., and Amelia goes out to fetch Iago, and it's not a soliloquy, it's this tis broken, meat. crying, tis meat, tis very meat, etc., broken woman crying, and you're speaking, I've, I've always felt, you're speaking to yourself, this is not directed to the audience to bring them into your, it will obviously bring any audience into your state of mind, state of being, but mm. it's unlike Iago's things, there we go again. For those of you who are only listening, Cara and I are dancing to Claire's cell phone. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. I've turned it off. That's quite all right. As I said before, um, we are human people living human lives and human things happen. But yes, this for me is... Um, it's just a moment in and of herself. Iago's uh, soliloquies uh, we've discussed uh, before, and if you missed that one um, about the very first scene of the play with Dwayne and Brian, um, Brian says that he believes Iago may even be lying and trying to manipulate an audience with his soliloquy. There's no falsehood in this. This is just a true moment about a woman who is seriously questioning her decisions in life. Yeah, and like Claire just said, she says in that in those four lines, how have I been behaved? Mm. That's Yep. Yeah, Taking so she it. is in out of the catatonic state. Like that, that's the only thing she can see is well, it must be me. Um, yeah, she okay. says it to yep. herself. Yeah. Okay, Claire, I'd like to bring you in with Cara now um, to discuss uh, very quickly the difference between these two female characters. Obviously, in Othello, it's uh, not a very female-heavy cast. Uh, essentially, there are three primary female roles, Desdemona, Emilia, and Bianca, um, who is Cassio's paramour. Um, and uh, in terms of those three roles, three very different aspects of uh, womanhood, uh, which I know certain, certain analyses of the plays have kind of tried to very broadly break down into um, Maiden Mother Crone. Um, the sort three sort of Greek aspects of womanhood. Um, but could the two of you just talk to me very quickly about the differences that you see in each other's characters um, and possibly the flaws? Uh, I don't know which of you would like to start. I can go. Claire, um, please. <laughs> <laughs> I think, Mark, that um, firstly, the biggest difference between the two of them is age, because with age comes experience. And... Um, Amelia's tough. I think both she and Iago come from the wrong side of the tracks. I think they've grown up hard and they've, they've got a lot of life under their belts. Um, and that is why she is as sharp and intuitive as she is. Uh, she's a survivor, but she's also a nurturer. Um, there's no evidence that they have children. Um, so that has been denied her. Um, and it's little wonder that she takes Desdemona under her wing. But the fact that she's so fond of Desdemona and, and it's, obvious in the final scene because she is broken when she when Desdemona dies. Um, speaks to Desdemona's character as well. Everything Othello says about her, sings, dances, plays well, all those things. She is the most endearing character and vulnerable. She's not stupid, 
Um, she's certainly brave enough to defy her father and run away and marry black man. Um, so she knows her mind. Yeah. But um, but she's she's young and she's vulnerable, and and increasingly vulnerable, obviously, as the play goes on. And Amelia will nurture that, and Amelia will take yeah. care of that. Um, I think I think you know, I really do think that, that she's had, Amelia's had a hard life, whereas Desdemona's probably had a charmed life, and that is that is um, quite evident in the way they play out their, their roles in the world. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And Cara, for you, um, things that Desdemona may see in Amelia that are attractive or not? Any mm. thoughts? I think along with uh, Desdemona's youthfulness and her naivety, um, like she does with Amelia, she would do a lot more with almost anyone because she's been so safe most of her life and lived mm. the life. She, if Amelia says this, you know, she just looks and takes this advice and listens to people and, you know, not to the point of stupidity, but she is vulnerable in her, she trusts people easily. And I think, yes. yeah, she could learn from Amelia. I mean, if we could rewrite the show, <laughs> she could learn one or two things from Let's Amelia. Let's change history. Yeah. yeah. So that's a flaw in Desdemona, which is also a, be a beautiful quality. Yeah. Yeah, that she possesses. Uh, something that I just want to raise as a thing that always strikes me with the play um, as we sit backstage listening um, or being on stage in the scenes is the remarkable change in Desdemona. This is a very young and inexperienced woman who has had the steel backed spine to stand up to not just her own father in terms of choice of marriage, but the entire Venetian Senate standing in front of a duke speaking when she should probably not have been allowed to speak normally um, and saying, it's him, it's Othello. I choose him. We love each other. This is our decision. And how quickly that seems to melt away and disappear when she's confronted with... I want to say that betrayal of her worldview when things with Othello start turning sour in Cyprus and how quickly that strength that she had found and that surety she had in herself and in her love dissipates. And we're mm -hmm. left with this young woman now who is unsure and who is looking uh, to Iago, to Emilia, to anyone to try and bring back what she had. Um, mm -hmm. It's just interesting. I don't want to dive any further into it. Um, but yeah, uh, a point to consider, certainly, for um, our listeners <coughs> and for ourselves. Right. Last point of the day. We're almost there, folks. And then you can all go off and have a wonderful weekend. Claire and Dwayne. Um, coming back to that thing that we were speaking about before, to some such fool that made you to suspect me with the moor. Um for me, this is one of the few pieces of context that we actually have in the play as to a possible motivation for Iago. Um, the idea that Iago has been gulled by a similar scheme uh, or set of lies to suspect that Amelia and Othello have at some point had an affair. Um, and then going out of this... Um, uh, the idea that Iago may not be as clever as we sometimes think he is because he's just stolen this plan wholesale from someone else. It's not his. Um, uh, and while I don't want to jump into it in the same aspect that we had right now, I'd just like you to talk to me about how particularly those lines and in a greater sense this scene um, 
may alter your or inform your playing of the characters. I don't know who wants to go first. Uh, Dwayne, Claire, Dwayne, Claire, who's first? Okay, I'll go first. Okay, Dwayne first. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I think love and hate are very strong emotions and I'm not entirely certain that Iago is capable of them. Um, so I think, you know, he says it earlier, uh, earlier, much earlier in the play, and he's talking about when he's making a deno jealous. He says, oh, beware, my lord, of jealousy. Um, it's the greener master which that mocked me to feed on. And then later in that speech, he says, um, that cuckold lives in bliss who serves him of his fate, loves not his wronger. But oh, what damn it, minutes. You know, so the second part is talking about Othello directly, but I think that first part is actually referring to himself, where he actually doesn't feel as wronged about it. Like, it's more of a, a property thing for him. Mm-hmm. It's more that she belongs to him, right? in his view. So not so much he feels that he's being betrayed, it's more he feels someone's taking something that belongs to him. Don't eat my cake. Yes. So, you know, when... So the fact that she references and they reference it constantly throughout the play, it doesn't, for me, make it a driving force for his actions. Right. He says much earlier as well, um, I fear the the more with my life, Cat 2. Quite close to the beginning of the play. Um, Then he says, "I I know not if it be true. But I'll do as a for surety. But it's a, um, a he's suspicion. blatantly saying, I don't really care if it happened or not, but I can use it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And for you, Claire, um, uh, what about the scene informs your playing of Emilia and how you approach the character as a whole? Uh, I just adore her. I think she's one of uh, Shakespeare's best women. I, I think she's fabulous. So that's half the battle won when you're already in love with the character that you're going to play. Um, I'm just going to pause you there very interestingly if you have missed it uh, in our first podcast about Hamlet Claire speaks about the reasons she doesn't like Gertrude so you're getting a chalk and cheese performance <laughs> from her depending on which <laughs> you're watching yeah so uh, I'd, what I love about her and and she she really tells you how to play her um, she's so beautifully written um, is her forthrightness and her um, she's completely honest and she is killed because she's honest. That is why her life ends. Yep. She could keep quiet. She didn't have to shock her husband, but she couldn't not. Um, and that was quite a big decision to make in, a t- in, in such a pressurized situation. But it's her inherent goodness, despite her brashness and her humor, and, um, and she is very brash, and I, I love that about her too. Um, she's such a full, complete person. And like I say, it's, it's, a, it's a dream to play her. Um, many, many, many years ago, I was offered Desdemona or, or Emilia in a production, another production of this was one. Was that Garth's? Yeah. And I said straight away, I want to play Emilia. Hmm. And um, he said, no, you can't, you're too young. Maybe you're not. Um, it was, as I said, many years ago. And I just was so, just so jealous of the, of, um, the woman who played Emilia. I was so jealous of her the whole way through. I just wanted to swap roles. Huh. Okay. Um, uh, ding, ding. Here's a call for last rounds. Any thoughts, comments, questions about the scene we've been discussing Discussing that anybody would like to add? You don't have to because we are going to get through the entire play. So 
there's going to be more than enough chance to speak about anything else. But anything about this one in particular? Nope. 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 That's three no's. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Claire, Dwayne, Cara, thank you for joining us. And uh, folks, remember, if you haven't already seen our productions, you can book for them online. Uh, it's our streaming version of Othello and Hamlet. Uh, details will be below. You'll find a link or an email address that you can contact. They truly are world class. And I'm not just saying that because I'm in them. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Shaking Spears. Thank Bye. you, Mark. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Music by Midair Machine. Used under license CCBY-SA 4.0. For further information or bookings, contact Doreen at thinktheatre.co.za. The University of Johannesburg. The future reimagined.